0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity. And make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, for ever and ever.
1: Amen.
2: A reading from the book of Ecclesiasticus. The Lord is a judge who is no respecter of personages. He shows no respect of personages to the detriment of a poor man. He listens to the plea of the injured party. He does not ignore the orphan's supplication, nor the widow's as she pours out her story. The man who with his whole heart serves God will be accepted. His petitions will carry to the clouds. The humble man's prayer pierces the clouds. Until it arrives, he is inconsolable. And the Lord will not be slow, nor will he be dilatry on their behalf. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
2: The Lord hears the cry of the poor.
1: The Lord hears the cry of the poor.
2: I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise always on my lips. In the Lord my soul shall make its boast. The humble shall hear and be glad.
1: The Lord hears the cry of the poor.
2: The Lord turns his face against the wicked and destroy their remembrance from the earth. The just call and the Lord hears and rescues them in all their distress.
1: The Lord hears the cry of the poor.
2: The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Those whose spirit is crushed he will save. The Lord ransoms the souls of his servants. Those who hide in him shall not be condemned.
1: The Lord hears the cry of the poor. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. My life is already being poured away as a libation. And the time has come for me to be gone. I have fought the good fight to the end. I have run the race to the finish. I have kept the faith... All there is to come now is the crown of righteousness reserved for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. The first time I had to present my defense, there was not a single witness to support me. Every one of them deserted me. May they not be held accountable for it, but the Lord stood by me and gave me power, so that through me the whole message might be proclaimed from all the pagans to hear. And so, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from all evil attempts on me, and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory for ever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God.
1: Alleluia, alleluia. God was in Christ to reconcile the world to himself, and the good news of reconciliation he has entrusted to us. Alleluia.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
2: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus spoke the following parable to some people who prided themselves on being virtuous and despised everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood there and said this prayer to himself. I thank you, God, that I'm not grasping, unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all I get. The tax collector stood some distance away, not daring even to raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home again at rights with God. The other did not. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the man who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: So the power of this parable comes from knowing just who the Pharisee and the tax collector were in the common mindset of the people that Jesus was preaching to. So we've all heard this parable often, and we can start to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, tax collector good, Pharisee bad. Now, indeed, it's the tax collector who's praised by Jesus at the end of the parable. But if you went up to Jesus' contemporaries and said to them, a Pharisee and a tax collector went into the temple to pray, and only one of them came out at rights with God, who on earth would have dreamt that it wasn't the Pharisee. They put all their effort into obeying God's law. They were the ones who stood out as the example to others of faithfulness and diligence. And even if other Jews didn't have the strength to imitate them, the Pharisees were at least to be admired. And listen to the parable, the Pharisees got much to be pleased about. He's a spiritual athlete performing all sorts of spiritual exercises. He gives 10% of everything he earns to God. He fasts twice a week. He places great value on being faithful in his marriage. He strives to be honest in his dealings with others. And with great effort, he resists the temptation to become greedy. These are all virtues. And let's not diminish them. They're hard-won virtues. No one could criticize the Pharisee for not putting in enough effort into his dedication and devotion to God. Now, in the light of this Pharisee, the tax collector appears in stark contrast. Where the Pharisee was scrupulous in his honest dealings with others, the tax collectors were renowned for charging exorbitant rates over and above what was demanded by the Romans, and in this way, lining their own pockets. Where the Pharisee was resisting the temptation to be greedy, the tax collector didn't struggle too much against the desire for wealth and instead gave full voice to his greed. A man so attached to his wealth finds it hard to give a 10% tithe to God. A man so self-indulgent struggles to deny himself any small pleasure, let alone to muster the strength to fast twice a week. We need to acknowledge that on the outside, the Pharisee is doing a lot better than the tax collector. He's doing a far better job of observing the law of Moses. But Jesus drops a line on his listeners that must have astounded them. This man, the tax collector, I tell you, went home again at rights with God. The other did not. After all the effort that the Pharisee had exerted in following the law, he was still not at rights with God. And the difference is being presented in this last little saying of Jesus. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the man who humbles himself will be exalted. We must acknowledge that the actions of the Pharisee have been good, and the actions of the tax collector have been bad. But the goodness of the Pharisee isn't enough to justify him in the sight of God. Nor is the badness of the tax collector enough to definitively condemn him in the sight of God. So what on earth is going on here? Is Jesus teaching us that actions just don't really matter? That the efforts of the Pharisee are worthless? That the cheating and corruption of the tax collector ultimately doesn't amount to anything? No, certainly not. This man is most definitely a sinner. And it's right that his actions aren't admired. But what Jesus is centering on here in this parable is a difficulty that religious people often experience. It's the problem of pride. As we strive to be faithful to God, as we learn more about his law, the temptation for us is to lift our heads up and look around at others. And if we do that, we can quickly discover that there are thousands who fall short. I mean, we need only look at the near 90% of Catholics who don't even manage to fulfil the barest minimum of going to Mass on Sundays. And seeing this, the great temptation for us is to pat ourselves on the back. Well done. You blitzed it. You've hit the front of the pack. Now all of a sudden, God's law becomes something of a weapon. It's one which I wield in order to attack others, and it's the weapon I wield in order to defend myself. I can point to my actions as the very things that justify me. This is exactly what the Pharisee is doing in the parable, right? I thank you, God, that I'm not grasping unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. And what's happened in the meantime is that religion has become the means by which I puff up my own ego, and the means by which I cause rancor and division. I'm glad I'm not like that one over there. Pride is one of the major reasons why so many religious people can be so insufferable to be around. I think this is what people mean when they criticize the religious as being self Righteous. As bad as it is, there's a greater danger here than just putting other people off by our own pride. The greater danger comes in the effect that it has in our relationship with God. Notice that the prayer of the Pharisee is, in fact, a prayer of self congratulation. Well done, young Pharisee. You're kicking goals. And you're doing better than most, especially that tax collector. Now, there's no question that that's true. The Pharisee is externally doing better than the tax collector. But the danger is that he comes before God with presumption. If I'm in the 90th percentile of religious practice, then really, God's the one who should be pleased with me. He should be thanking me, because I'm not like the rest of humanity. In fact, by now, after all the lengths and efforts that I've gone to, God might just owe me. Jesus tells us that the Pharisee leaves the temple unjustified. He leaves the temple and he's not in right relationship with God. The trouble here is that the Pharisee doesn't recognize his true condition before God. He goes away happy. He goes away proud. In approaching God with presumption and pride in his prayer, he's not open to a true encounter with God. He enters the temple with his head held high. I'm good. I'm virtuous. I belong here in God's presence, and my efforts give me the right to stand here and to be praised and thanked by God himself. Listen again. I thank you, God, that I am not grasping unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. God can't interrupt this prayer. There's no space left for a true encounter with the Father. And consequently, the Pharisee leaves the temple unchanged, proud, presumptuous, and secure in his own imaginary righteousness. Now, the problem for the Pharisee here is a problem that we're all prone to. The Pharisees lost touch with reality. He's forgotten that there's nothing that we can do for God that would make him owe us one. So Paul asks an interesting question to the Corinthians in his first letter. He says this, he says, What have you that you have not received? And if you have received it, why do you boast as if you had not? That's an important realisation. Everything I have, I have from God. My time, my talents, my treasure. And any gift that I give to God is something that he's first given to me. So how can I possibly tip the balance sheet in my favour? How can I ever repay God for all he has done for me? I can't. Everything I do. Everything the Pharisee did in praying, fasting, almsgiving, doesn't make God owe us anything. The reality is that we come before God with empty hands. All my efforts to be faithful don't justify me before God. My adherence to the law doesn't make God and me even, such that I could approach him as an equal. It's a lie. And I've believed the lie because I'm proud. What tremendous presumption the Pharisee possesses. I thank you, God, that I'm not grasping, unjust, adulterous like the rest of mankind, and particularly that I'm not like this tax collector here. I don't know. I can imagine God responding to him. Who the heck do you think you are? (laughs) Well, the tax collector knows who he is that he approaches God in humility, because humility is truth. Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And this is the man who leaves the temple at rights with God. St. Augustine famously wrote in one of his sermons that man is a beggar before God. And he's right, of course. The greatest saints are beggars before God, And so are the greatest sinners, because everything that God gives us is a gift. The tax collector is the one who acknowledges this fact and leaves justified. Father, I know I don't deserve anything you give me, but I ask you for your mercy and forgiveness. The tax collector places his faith in the Father's love, not in his own efforts. The prayer of the tax collector shouldn't teach us that God likes us to grovel and humiliate ourselves. No, that's not what the tax collector is doing. The prayer of the tax collector is true and authentic. Because it acknowledges that God is God. And I'm not. I come before my Creator and my Redeemer. And I come with empty hands. There's nothing I can give God. There's no good deed that could make Him owe me. Man is indeed a beggar before God, and I acknowledge my poverty before him. But remember this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.